Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We talk about a lot of issues involving our community, the children who live here, how we can make things better. And for the past couple of years, there's been an organization that has been formed in an attempt to do just that in a time when the children in the state, according to a report by the Pennsylvania Auditor General, are in a system, a welfare system that's been deemed by him to be broken. So uh, we're always very, very happy to talk about the people who help. I've known John Achukevich for, what is it, 3,000 years, right? Maybe two. Two? Thousand. Two thousand. <laughs> it's been a long time. I mean, I At met least you ten. When At you least were, ten. No, you, no. Back in the day, day of the DA's office. Yeah, you used to work a long time ago. Mm-hmm. 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, and I met you there first. Yes. When I was a young reporter and you were working as a, a prosecutor. DA. And I bet at that time, John, not to get off the <clears throat> point, but I bet at that time you saw cases in that office that troubled you greatly. I remember when I was working back then, there were a couple of uh, homicides involving children at the time, and that's disturbing stuff. I did have one case that <clears throat> comes to mind, a 16-year-old uh, a young man who uh, shot and, and killed another young girl uh, with a revolver and basically playing playing with the gun and you know involuntary manslaughter for something like that. But I think it originally goes back to when I was with Legal Services, my first job out of law school in 1984, representing parents in these dependency cases whose children were before the court because of abuse and neglect, and and seeing the need at that even at that time, 30 plus years ago, uh, where the system did seem even overburdened and struggled in providing the court with sufficient information to make well-informed decisions regarding permanency for these children, and it is saddening to know that. Again, 30-plus years, and when you see the Auditor General's report indicating that the system continues to struggle and be overburdened, um, particularly in light of, I believe, what occurred in, uh, in, since 2015, as referenced in that report, and the different reporting requirements and the great number of cases now being referred for investigation of child abuse and neglect. Now, that could be uh, an awareness issue, of course. It could be a a better reporting system issue where maybe some of the stuff went by the wayside in the past, but I'm sure that doesn't account for all of it. Now, because we always like to talk about what's being done positively in northeastern Pennsylvania and Luzerne County proper, a few years ago, you became involved with this organization, CASA, and it is really a great solution for some of our distress. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates, and thank you also for welcoming Annie Ellis, one of our special advocates, uh, to the studio as well, and she can can talk about her experience. But Court Appointed Special Advocates is just that. It's a program of volunteers, and what we do as a nonprofit is to recruit, select, train, and support volunteer advocates who then become appointed by the court to advocate for the best interests of abused and neglected children who find themselves in these dependency situations. In essence, the volunteer advocates serve as the eyes and the ears for the judge outside the courtroom and the voice for the child inside the courtroom. 
And the significance of the volunteer experience and through our program is that the Court Appointed Special Advocates is specifically referenced in the Juvenile Act, and they are empowered by the court to have access unfettered to all the information pertaining to that child. And it's interesting to note that in the Auditor General's report, that is one of the recommendations, I believe it's number 12, for improving the system that caseworkers not be required to obtain releases from parents to get this information, which is information, again, reports and records of educators, behavioral therapists, doctors, that our volunteer advocates get access to through their court appointment. All right. Uh, let's bring in Annie Ellis, who has uh, stepped up to the plate here and decided to do this as a volunteer. And Annie, it's it's a big commitment. What made you interested when you heard about CASA that you wanted to be involved? What what do you bring to the table that you were so interested in helping? Right. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity because awareness is the most important thing that we have to do right now. In the midst of all of this dire news about the child welfare system, um, I consider it an honor to advocate for a child, one child who unfortunately through no fault of his own um, is is dependent. He's in the in the juvenile dependency, not not delinquency. That's a diff- that's a big difference. Through no fault of his own, he was taken out of his home because of abuse um, and is in foster care and has been for several years. In 2015, the fall of 2015, I sitting at home saw a uh, public service announcement for CASA, for court-appointed special advocates, and I thought, wow, that's really an idea whose time has come uh, to, to be able, as a volunteer, um, and I'm, I'm very clear, when I, when I, especially when I introduced myself to the child and his family, um, that's, a, that's a really important word. I'm a volunteer. I do this because I want to. It's not my job. I don't have to do it. Any time I spend with that child is because I want to. So because of that public service announcement and, you know, wanting, finding myself at a point in my life, I've, I've raised four children, um, to want to give back a little bit more, um, I was able to do that and, and just took the necessary steps to become an advocate. And it, and it is a privilege. What kind of time commitment goes into this? And I know there is a, a, a training block that occurs before anything else happens. So from the perspective of the commitment, honestly, how much time does it take you? So once I went through the training, which is about 30 hours, um, classroom training, you know, um, which which uh, made me well prepared for the experience. Um, it's, an, it's, a, it's a great program. I'm well supported by the program. I don't, I'm well supervised. I don't feel like I'm out there alone. 30 hours of training and about five hours of in-court observation. And then my order to appoint was signed by Judge Rogers, and I was appointed to this one child. Um, I probably see him once every couple of weeks, sometimes more, um, sometimes a little bit less, depending on what's going on in his life and what the needs are. I don't provide any services. I'm an adjunct to children and youth. I'm not a therapist. I'm not any of that stuff. I'm a mom who, you know, has um, raised my children. Uh, I love them boundlessly, and I protect them fiercely, and I like to think that I bring that to this table as well. So um, I see him, you know, once every couple of weeks. Um, one of the most important things that I do is to prepare a report, a well-considered recommendation to the court about what I believe believe is in that child's best interest. How do I know what I believe is in that child's best interest? It's to spend time with him, his family, his school, get as much information as I can so that I can make a good recommendation to the court because because a judge is charged with the duty of making some big decisions on behalf of these kids and can't really be there to do that. And I understand that you have uh, the the respect of the court system and when you go in front of one of these judges 
they trust that you've, you know, talked to the child, done your homework, found out uh, a need that uh, perhaps needs to be met. And I understand that some of these needs are they're basic and some are, are big and uh, without blowing any kind of confidentiality. What, what kind of things might you ask for or what have you observed in court that people ask for? Right. So being ever mindful of the necessity of confidentiality. But I also think it's important, you know, to kind of put a, a bit of a face to what we're talking about. This is a child who at nine years old was so severely beaten by a family member that his teacher called 911 when he showed up at school that day. He was taken out of his home because the most important thing, and this isn't our job, this is, you know, children and youth or, or somebody, a mandated reporter, um, is that that child's safe. So the child had to be taken out of his home to ensure safety. But what flows from that is now a difficult, you know, he's safe, but he's in a foster home with people that are not his family, that he doesn't know. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's it. the child welfare system is difficult at best to navigate, and children certainly need a voice and somebody to stand next to them. So over the course of the 15 months that I've advocated for this child in particular, um, I have made recommendations to the court about visitation, whether it should go on, whether it should be supervised, um, his 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 uh, service needs. Does he need more therapy? Does he need, you know, um, can we rely on the therapist once we commit so that we protect him from any more traumatization you know there are there are natural parents and foster parents and sometimes their agenda isn't always consistent and he needs to be protected through that process john uh, when you are looking for individuals like annie here who uh, amazingly rise to a, a challenging situation do you have a hard time finding people to step forward and, and be part of this program well it is a challenge because as annie has well articulated you know i've come to identify what I've labeled the three C's, what we're looking for in a volunteer. Uh, that is commitment, communication, and, uh, you know, consistency. That you be able to make a commitment to this child from the moment of a appointment until the case is closed, which could be one year, two years, or three years. Because in this system where caseworkers change, teachers change, foster parents change, therapists change, the most important thing this child needs, one of the most important things besides love, obviously, is stability and continuity. So we uh, really seek to identify people that can make that commitment. And then secondly, you have to be a good communicator because you are dealing with so many different people, foster parents, natural parents, guardian ad litems, caseworkers, teachers, educators, therapists. And then be able to assess that information and put it in a, not only in a written report to the court, but also to appear in court and advocate for that child. So to be able to communicate well in writing, um, you know, and verbally is extremely important. And again, and, you know, consistency that you're going to put in that time each month. On average, it can be 10 to 15 hours per month. So yes, it's a challenge. This is not for the faint of heart where if I have some free time, I think I might be able to do this volunteer experience. No, but there have been, you know, very many people like Annie who've responded. For example, we're having a, our next training class, October 10th, and 11 people 
has stepped forward to participate in the training. We'll be doing another volunteer training class in the spring. We'd like to do twice a year, spring and fall. So, yes, I'm actively recruiting today, and thank you for the opportunity (laughs) to bring people in. Uh, We'll be doing an information session at our office on Wednesday, October the 11th at 6 o'clock. For those who may have an interest, they can learn more about our program. They can learn more about the training and the experience to see if this is, in fact, an experience where you can truly make an impact in a child's life. It is unique in that sense. There is no other organization that duplicates what CASA does. How has it been for the program? I know that it's been I, I, it's been up and running for what, about four years, three years? We became a 501c3 in May of 2014. Okay, so you've had about uh, three years and some change yes. to sort of work through this, and I know this program comes from somewhere else, but how has it worked in Luzerne County, in your opinion? We are stabilized, and we're now in a position of growing, so I'm grateful for that. We are looking to hire a second staff person. The position is advocate coordinator. We are a member affiliate of National CASA. They provide the curriculum for our training, and one of their best practices is that the ratio of staff to volunteer advocates should not exceed 30 to 1. So we'll reach the number of 30 advocates by year's end, which means we need to then hire a second staff person. So we are in a position of of growth. Um, And financially, we are, uh, again, we receive no public monies. We're having a major, our major fundraising event, September 28th on Thursday at the FM Kirby Center. It's our second annual Casa Blanca Gala. Casa Blanca. Exactly. Got and, it. Uh, it has been a tremendous, uh, been tremendously supported by the community, and we're grateful for the opportunity to be doing it a second year in a row. Can people still come to this? Oh, absolutely. We have time to get them in? Yep. They can um, call us at 855-2247, uh, visit our website, loserincasa.org. A uh, ticket is $95, and there will be a uh, plenty of food. There will be a non-gambling uh, casino atmosphere with some uh, roulette and blackjack tables. Uh, there will be some music provided by Christine Leandri on the piano. There will be a very short program. It is, a, it, is a, it is not a sit-down dinner. It's just stand-up tables with the opportunity just to have a relaxing and enjoyable time for three hours and support a great organization. Annie, if you had the opportunity right now to just appeal to people, from your experience, how would you talk to them about perhaps doing what you did and stepping forward so I, i'm i hope i'm hopeful for this opportunity that somebody will hear what i'm saying and say I, you know i think i can relate to that i think i can do that i work full-time i've raised four children it's not impossible it is a commitment um, but that said Every little bit helps. If there's an employer out there that can give his employees some latitude in scheduling, that would be that would be a great contribution. Um, I can tell you, after 15 months, I have gotten back way more than I have given. What do your own children think about you and this? Um, that's an interesting question. Thank you. They're very supportive. Initially, I think they had some concerns. It's it's not as John said for the faint of heart. I've I've seen and heard some things that are very troubling. I've been in situations that I never would have imagined, you know, in in my life being exposed to. But um, now, yeah, and, and and initially they were saying, you know, Mom, are you sure you're going to be able to do this? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to try. And whether I do it or not, this stuff is going to go on. So I can jump in and and try to make a little difference in somebody's life, or I can sit back and do nothing. And I simply chose to jump in. I think that's great. And I think I applaud you and I applaud all the people involved in this. Uh, John, you've done a wonderful job 
leading this program. I know you believe in it wholeheartedly. They're, you're completely invested in it for the the reasons, I, I think, th- from seeing what you see in, in the world. And I think trying to just, you know, turn a heart or turn a mind, is that's really good work. Well, thank you. You're being very kind. And it's just much needed. That's the sad part. Uh, and it's in that report that you've referenced earlier, just exemplifies that the need is still there. It's going to continue to be there. We are not a substitute for children and youth, but we do maybe regard ourselves as a supplement for that agency. They simply don't have the time, the staff, the resources to to uh, devote to every case that's out there. And CASA can step in in those complex, trying, difficult, abuse and neglect cases to make a difference. And that's how we see our role. John Achukevich is the executive director of Casa Luzerne County. Annie Ellis is a committed volunteer, and it's been so great to have them both here today. Their event is Thursday, September the 28th at uh, the FM Kirby Center. And give the phone number one more time. Uh, 570-855-2247. You're getting good at this, Sajukevich. <laughs> You're getting really good at it. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you real again uh, soon, really. Uh... You, you will. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.